Greetings and welcome to another edition of Naturally You Radio. My name is Leah Salmon, the Naturally You Coach. I'm a best-selling author, speaker, nutritionist and life coach on a mission to help 100,000 black women to eat for health, think for happiness and live in harmony by 2020 or what I call becoming naturally you. You can find me at thenaturallyyoucoach.com and today I'm going to be talking about can a diet disable depression? So if you are on social media or just on the internet generally, over the last couple of months, you may have seen more people talking about mental health awareness. Now, in the UK, where I am, it was Mental Health Awareness Week back in May. It was the 8th to the 14th of May that we have our Mental Health Awareness Week over here. But in the States, it was the 1st to the 8th of October. And it was also during um, the Mental Health Week, Awareness Week in October, that we saw quite a few people coming out and saying and admitting that they had suffered from mental health challenges at some point during their lives, including many celebrities. And many celebrities have admitted that they still do have um, episodes of mental health challenges, even though they've overcome the, the, the brunt of it. Prince Harry and Prince William um, over here in the UK even started a charity called Heads Together where they shared their mental health challenges and the, the level of depression that they experienced when their mother, Princess Diana, um, passed away when they were younger. And that organisation that they have founded that's been getting some more attention in the media, um, and again, more celebrities were coming out and sharing their experiences, their whole um, drive behind that organisation was to change the conversation about mental health, to change the perception that people have about mental health challenges from it being something shameful that you can't talk about to being more open about it and explaining how it is you are dealing with your mental health challenges, not being afraid to let people know you've got your mental health challenges so that you can access the help that's available um, to you so you can overcome them um, without them being undiagnosed because the prevalence of them being undiagnosed is significant. Um, mental health challenges aren't what, what that social media frenzy um, highlighted very clearly is that mental health challenges aren't resigned to any particular race or class or country or gender. But the more I pursue my goal to help 100,000 black women um, to eat for health, think for happiness and live in harmony. And I find out more about the challenges that we have specifically as black women, the more apparent it is that we are disproportionately affected by certain health challenges and depression is one of them. Black women in this country, in the UK, are twice as likely to become depressed and access mental health care than any other race or demographic in the UK and some statistics show in the US also. Again, not to show that, not to say that no other race is affected by it, because in fact, black, uh, sorry, white males between 16 and 25 are also highly affected by depression and more importantly, um, not more importantly, sorry, um, more specifically, um, suicide rates are quite high among that particular demographic, but black women are twice as likely to become depressed and access mental health care. Now, as well as the regular stresses of life, work, children, family, all those kind of things, when black women have been 
um, you know, unofficially kind of polled or questioned um, and surveyed about the things that they are going through. Black women have noted things like social pressure to conform to the standards of society, racial inequalities and how they pop up in different areas of our lives, pay inequalities and inequalities in opportunities in our career, beauty and fashion industry standards that we are conforming to or that we feel we have to conform to and not being able to express ourselves without judgment as being just some of the reasons that stresses and anxieties in black women build up and they lead to mild and then moderate and then severe levels of depression. Now, depression is more than just being sad. I think most of us are coming to that realization and, and, and having a greater understanding of what depression is. It's not just being sad. It's not something you can just kind of rough, tough it and, and get over it and have a stiff upper lip. It's complex in the way that it develops, in the way that it presents itself and how you manage it and eventually recover from it. So the traditional way of thinking was that Depression was like a neurological imbalance. It was brain chemistry basically gone wrong um, and that drugs could be used to alter the imbalances that caused us to have depressive episodes or rid us of the symptoms of depression by basically doing things for, to, to lack of a better word, chill us out. Now, depressive episodes can last hours or days or weeks or even years and it's often the case that initially when we present to so the standard route of of care or the standard route of um, seeking help is to go to medical professionals and it's often the case that initially high doses of psychiatric drugs are given um, and then a maintenance dose is set for the long term and this is the same thing that happens when you've got high blood pressure when you've got diabetes when you present with other um, kind of progressive health conditions is that you're initially given a high dose to to suppress the symptoms and then you're given a maintenance dose. And people can be on maintenance doses of things for the rest of their life. But as the great teacher, Dr. Malachi Z. York, has said, pain in the body is like a warning light on the control panel of a car. Taking this or that drug or medication is like taking a hammer and smashing the light. It does nothing to address the cause. It just gets rid of the symptom. And whilst there's no, there's often no physical pain that's associated with depression, the mental and emotional discomfort can become literally unbearable to live with, which leads sufferers to want to numb themselves with drugs, alcohol, excesses, sugar, painkillers and prescribed pharmaceuticals. Now, among the black community, depression often goes undiagnosed. And some of the statistics show that, show that between 30 and 80% of people who eventually say that they were suffering from some kind of mental health challenge, in particular depression, um, between 30 and 80% of them go untreated for significant periods of time. And there's several reasons for this, um, including shame. People think, well, what are people going to think of me if I'm called crazy, called um, depressed? Because the people link depressed with crazy. That's the stigma that's been put around the, the health challenge of depression. There's also the feeling of hopelessness. Some people think, well, no one can help me anyway. So what's the point of me 
telling everyone what I'm going through. And then again, back to the kind of shame is that I don't want to tell everyone my business because then they're going to dr- judge me. So the, sh- the, fa- the shame and the hopelessness become linked. And then there's the fear. What is going to happen to me if people do diagnose me as crazy? And there are some mothers who even fear that being diagnosed with a mental health challenge, especially one like um, depression, is going to result in them having their children taken away from them instead of them being supported through that particular health challenge. A lot of people in the black community don't like to seem that they're weak and it's it's challenging to admit that we've got problems and especially black women again who are afraid of being labeled as crazy black women and sometimes we because of everything that we've been through as a as a people it's difficult to trust those people who are in power all the time to do what is right with you and like I said instead of getting the support that you need there is that fear that something disproportionately negative is going to happen to you if you do present with a mental health problem because the again so many women who are um who present with these problems are often quickly medicated and that's another fear that is held by a lot of people in our communities that we don't want to end up being put on pharmaceutical drugs that are going to make our condition even worse but we don't know how else to solve it apart from going down that road so it becomes a bit of a catch-22 situation and to avoid all of it very often we hide what it is that we're going through and just try and live with it the unfortunate situation that we face is that far less stigma is put around physical illnesses like diabetes like high blood pressure and even cancer than mental health issues like depression bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, obsessive compulsive disorder. And depression is more typically thought of as strictly being a biochemically based or emotionally rooted condition. So again, it's got that stigma around it, which makes it even more difficult for people to want to admit that they've got it and seek help. But then when it's, it is thought of by the general public, depression does have this perception of okay if I'm going to get help and treatment where would I look for that health and treatment and we would immediately go to okay this is going to be some kind of pharmaceutical drug and again depression is thought of as being strictly biochemically based and emotionally rooted but what is being found more often this is anecdotally and through studies is that nutrition can play a key role in the onset as well as how severe um, and how long depressive um, episodes actually last. So the eating patterns that are found um, before somebody becomes depressed, so when people are beginning to find it difficult with the health, the the mental um, health or life situations that they're dealing with, they will present with eating patterns um, like poor having a poor appetite, skipping meals, having strong sweet cravings. And they're the same um, eating patterns that are found during depressive episodes as well. So there is that kind of link. There's that precursor that we can see when nutrition is there at the beginning of it. And it's prolonged throughout a depressive episode as well. And it can sometimes prolong the the length of a depressive episode if nutrition isn't 
addressed at some point. Now, more research is coming out showing that there's literally, there's a huge link between nutritional deficiencies, not just the eating patterns, but there's a link between nutritional deficiencies and nutritional stimulants and the way that humans um, behave, our emotional body and our cognition, the way that we're able to process thoughts. One of my favorite books on the topic of children's nutrition is a book called Crazy Makers by Carol Simon Tachi. Um, and in that book, the author makes clear links between a child's diet and nutrition or lack of um, and their moods, behavior, again, their cognition, their ability to think and work things out. And subsequently, their grades, their educational progression, their self-worth and achievements, and all of that naturally leads to their mental health as adults. There's even evidence showing that children who had poor diets in their early teens were 30% more likely to be convicted of violent crimes when they get to their 30s. Nutrition plays a role. Nutrition is key. So whilst the factors that cause and contribute and maintain depression are vast, I'm not saying that, I don't want to simplify this whole subject down to diet is the only thing we need to pay attention to as far as depression is concerned, because there's a vast number of um, factors that cause and contribute and maintain depression. I think that too little attention is given to the role that diet and nutrition play in preventing and disabling depression. Now, depression, like many other conditions like cancer and diabetes and heart disease, are thought to be so extreme that simple changes, like simply changing your diet, isn't going to have any effect. But that's just not true. Our whole body is made of nutrients, including our brain and our brain's ability to function effectively. A malnourished or dehydrated or tired brain is going to struggle to be able to process thoughts to problem solve and even stay calm and rational during stressful times and being in this state over long periods of time can literally impair your brain's ability to function which can have huge impacts on your mental emotional and your physical well-being so hydrating nourishing resting and training the brain to handle stressful and challenging situations over a period of time has been shown to have a significant impact on recovery from depressive episodes, much less preventing them happening in the first place. And while some people say that once you have depression, it never really goes away, there are some people who have been diagnosed as being clinically depressed and have been in complete remission for over a decade by just nourishing, hydrating and reprogramming their brain. So, some of the nutritional deficiencies that have been found in, diagno in, in those who have been diagnosed with depression most often are vitamin deficiencies, especially the vitamin B complex. So there's the individual um, B vitamins, B1, 2, 3, 5, 7, etc. But when we, are, want, when we want to balance out a deficiency, it's always best to take the B vitamins as a complex when you're taking them as a supplement. And finding foods that are rich in the different B vitamins and the B vitamin complex, the whole range of B vitamins. So we're talking about things like dark green leafy vegetables, beans, eggs, fish, mushrooms, those types of foods. Other deficiencies that have been found in those who are 
um, diagnosed with depression are omega fatty acids. So most of us now are very aware of the fact that our brain is made of fats and in, in order to keep it healthy and nourished, it needs to have its fat levels replenished on a regular basis. And unfortunately, the regular diet can actually deplete the levels of um, essential fatty acids in our diet. But in order to get those back into your diet, you can use things like fish, seaweeds, like Irish moss, and chia seeds are actually super high um, plant-based source of omega fatty acids. Not having enough protein in your diet and not having neurotransmitters, having a deficiency in neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin and GABA can also have also been linked with the diagnosis of depression and those neurotransmitters can be synthesized in the body when you take certain amino acids like tryptophan and tyrosine which you can find in supplemental form as well as in some foods now all of these nutrients the b complex the omega-3 fatty acids proteins and the amino acids are all seriously lacking in the globalized industrial diet. So that's the diet that you can see on shelves in the UK, in China, in Africa, in America. It's that diet of processed foods with long shelf lives that you can literally now find in all the major cities all around the world. They last forever. They're highly processed. They um, are full of preservatives and additives and very, very, very little nutrition. But those nutrients are also found abundantly in the diets of our ancestors who rarely suffered from these conditions. Now, being sad is part of the human experience. Our ancestors experienced sadness, extreme sadness at, at some times. Remember, our ancestors had to deal with droughts and famines and being attacked by wild animals at some point and questions about their safety and where they're going to live and having to uproot and moving to different you know, parts of the uh, the country that were safer. Our ancestors had to deal with being sad and having negative things happen in and around their environment and being concerned about the very survival of themselves and their family. Being sad is part of the human experience. Becoming depressed, extremely sad, that the sadness that takes over your whole being has even said to be part of the human experience. And the ability to pull yourself out of it is a way of strengthening your mental and emotional body in the same way that you boost your immunity to disease by experiencing certain diseases and building up natural defenses to them so your body knows how to handle them in the future. It's when we have a nutrient-dead diet and are never taught self-worth and emotional intelligence that we fall so deeply into these depressive states that we feel that there's no way out and doctors are trained to talk to you for a minute before medicating you. Now, not everything needs to be medicated, including depression and mental health challenges. Getting rid of the symptoms isn't the answer and shouldn't be the only course of action either. And family, we need to find another way because the probability of being sectioned under the Mental Health Act or committing suicide increases drastically the longer you remain in depressive states. And what's even worse is that 
some of the medication that we're that our family are being given like the SSRIs which is selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors which are prescribed to those experiencing mental health challenges one of the side effects of them is that you start developing suicidal thoughts and actions and that's especially among young adults between 16 and 25 who are recommended these drugs so can diet disable depression now I learned a long time ago that focusing on only one area of health when dealing with our holistic health is a flawed model. But I would say this, diet can help to disable depression when used in conjunction with emotional intelligence, personal development and complementary therapies. I would seriously urge anyone who is experiencing mental health challenges to seek holistic nutritional help immediately and at the very least commit to getting support from a holistic holistic nutritionist and a life coach alongside any medication you choose to take there's going to be far fewer if any side effects from nutritional therapies and holistic practices and most importantly there'll be a positive impact on your whole body and by nourishing your brain rather than just artificially interfering with your brain chemistry, you're going to be in a better position to do the work of understanding your responses and finding healthier ways to manage your emotions and life challenges and anything else that triggers depressive episodes. Because like many people have experienced, once you do go through depressive episodes, it can be something that that stays with you because you unless you, sorry, learn how to deal with the triggers, recognize the triggers that trigger those episodes in you and learn how to deal with them in a more holistic way before they take hold of you and using the complementary therapies and diet to help support your brain function and your physical body and doing those two things in conjunction can give you a much better chance of reducing the depressive episodes and shortening them down to levels where they're easier to manage and they're not life-threatening. I hope that you found this information useful. Please share this with anyone you think could benefit from it and stay tuned for more videos, articles and podcasts to help you eat for health, think for happiness and live in harmony or what I call becoming naturally you. You can find me at thenaturallyyoucoach.com and if you need one-to-one -one support or help, feel free to get in touch to book a free session with me to discuss how we can get you to your life and health goals naturally. I look forward to hearing from you soon. My name is Leah Sam, I'm the Naturally You Coach. Take care and stay healthy.